we live in a kind of culture where everything is quite instant and you know if you maybe don't get the result you want actually you can just go and try something else and I think that is the the kind of sticking point is in you might not try again Mm. so I think just reinforcing that actually those experiences where you do feel disappointed and you want more are so key to like helping you progress in the future and I know that every time I have a moment where things don't go to plan or I don't get the result I want it's another experience for me to learn from and you know I I look back now on on previous experiences where I was absolutely devastated with the result but actually I learned so much about myself in that moment or um, you know coming back what I did to, to kind of get there and you draw on those experiences time and time again. I founded the BeWell Collective, a not-for-profit organisation that aims to bring nutritional education and mental health support to the fashion and creative industries. I believe the topics we discuss throughout our series are relevant to whatever industry that you work in or any issues that you might be facing. Because as a collective, together, we are stronger. Welcome to this week's episode of Live Well, Be Well with your host, Sarah Ann Macklin. Resilience is a subject which not many of us speak about on a daily basis, but one which is so important to get us through those daily stresses the really hard times and gives us strength to build us back up again. Adele Tracy knows all too well about this. Sadly, just missing out on the 2021 Tokyo Olympics, Adele has such a strong resilience mindset. But how does she do it? Adele has competed internationally on a European, Commonwealth and world stage for over 10 years. And the secret to how she got there is not purely the physical endurance, the determination and the motivation every day, but the resilience to bounce back and keep competing even when times become really, really tough. I am so happy to have her on this podcast today talking about a subject which I find so fundamental to our overall mental and physical well-being. I want to give a really quick shout out before we go into this episode regarding our BWA Collective online public workshop, which goes live tomorrow. There are still a few tickets left and we also have the fantastic Adele Tracy, who is part of this podcast, being part of the workshop tomorrow alongside other experts to help you guide and build your own resilience and dealing with rejection. If you haven't yet got your ticket, you still have a chance. You've still got 24 hours to get them. So head to the BeWell Collective website where you can go and purchase your ticket for this online workshop and be part of our BeWell Collective community. This is open to every single person, wherever you are in the world. So please do sign up and I can't wait to see all of your faces there. Adele, Tracy, welcome to Live Well, Be Well today. Thank you so much for coming on. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, Yeah, I'm doing really well. How are you doing? (laughs) I am good. I'm good. I've been kind of fangirling over your Instagram that you've been away in Jamaica and sitting in London being like wow it looks like she's having the most amazing time um and a well-deserved rest after a very intense summer of training well I say summer the year of training um you've had a lot to to train for and you've been working really hard and I know that Jamaica is where you were born wasn't it how was it to kind of go back and have time off Oh yeah, it was it was amazing. So I was actually born in the US, but I grew up in Jamaica. Yeah, so um, I lived there towards eight. So it was really nice to just go back and sort of um, take a trip down memory lane almost, and and go back to all the places that I remember. So that was really lovely, and actually just spend time with my family. Um, I went with my mum and my brother, and I've barely seen them this year because I've been sort of isolating half the year where I've been traveling for racing and stuff so it was really nice to just do that and reset let my body just kind of um rest and recover so yeah I feel definitely rejuvenated after that um yeah it's been a, a really busy year so it's been really nice to just kind of take some time off Good, good. Well, I mean, it's so important. I think recovery, um, we've got a podcast coming out with Dr. Mark Bubbs, and he talks a lot about the importance of recovery. And, you know, how long were you in Jamaica for? How long did you take off? 
So I had, I was in Jamaica for 10 days, but um, I've had two weeks off everything and then three weeks off running. So that sort of, um, I guessed, week before I started running, I just kind of tried to get activated, get back in the gym, just make sure everything was switched on before I started running because, um, yeah, it's a real shock to the system when uh, you train as much as I do and you take that much time off. Um, So yeah, I've just got back into running this week and it's, it's been um, a real joy just to kind of get back into everything and, and yeah, get back to doing what I really enjoy. You are incredible at what you do. You are a European finalist and world semi-finalist. You... Your main, I would say, area of running is 800 metres mostly, but you're known as a middle distance runner. Um, can you give everyone like a kind of context about your journey into running? Yeah, absolutely. So I probably first got into um, the sport at school. Um, my dad uh, actually ran for Jamaica, so I kind of knew about that. Um, and it's sort of like athletics in our family was just always something that um, my mum really enjoyed and we'd all sort of watch the Olympics together and I think my earliest memories of sort of wanting to be an athlete are probably watching the 2000 Sydney Olympics um so I would have probably been about eight years old and I just remember thinking I would love to do that as a job (laughs) um I definitely (laughs) did not think it would happen um I love that you envisaged that so young and you're now doing it yeah yeah it's it's so bizarre when I think of it because I genuinely didn't think that would actually happen but um I remember at school um just really kind of at school I really struggled so I'm quite dyslexic and I think where I kind of struggled academically I sort of my mum really encouraged me to like make up in in sort of other areas so she really tried to encourage me in my sport and arts and all those sort of things so yeah I've really just been running since school and joined my local athletics club when I was maybe 11 and yeah the rest is history. (laughs) Wow I mean that was a very um, modest description of your time into running I have to say you have been you know competing for over 10 years internationally on a European Commonwealth world stage so that small girl of eight years old really did make her dreams come true which I just think is such an inspiration for so many people to hear like for you what's what's the one thing you love about running like why do you why do you think you picked that sport over all the others um I think I think because I it's hard to say because if you're if you find that you're naturally good at something Mm -hmm. obviously you're going to enjoy it so much more but I think with running there's a real sense of freedom in running I think um, I love that you're using the whole body Um, it kind of gives you time to think as well I've realized as I've gotten older running sort of um, I run for very different reasons why I did when I started but I also think remembering the reason you started is like a real motivating quality for me even now Um, so yeah I think just feeling a sense of purpose um, that's something that I really feel through through my sport Um, and the amazing kind of connections that you make through that as well um there's like such a massive uh, running community and I think that's something that I've found over the years as well um is just really grounding um to mm. just kind of friendships and relationships like even through coaching um I've had amazing mentors in the sport so um yes like running can just offer you so much and I think that's something that I've really learned over the years and so can you give us all a typical day into what Adele Tracy's life is? Okay, so I'd say so, like I train um, six days a week. I have a rest day every week on a Friday usually. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my day for, um, yeah, just doing things completely outside of running um, and sort of refreshing myself, ready to start the week again. But during the week, I train three days um on the track and that's usually on those training days I like sort of triple training days so I'll do my session in the morning um I have a couple of hours after lunch to kind of recover and then I go to the gym which is like my second session of the day and then I'll also go out for a shakeout in the evening and my shakeout will be somewhere between like um I guess three to five miles usually about four miles in the evening so um But the session in the morning is usually the hardest part of training of the day. So that can be, you know, two hours on the track, um, sort of short interval reps. um, And I'll do that three times 
during the week um and then the days in between are sort of just um your sort of long steadier runs anywhere between six to ten miles um and Sunday is my long run so yeah oh my gosh I love that your shake out is kind of my long run on a Saturday (laughs) yes it's so inspirational um how first question how do you have the motivation and determination to do that just even hearing one of your days I think knowing that I would have to do that once a week or once a month would terrify me where does this kind of strong determination and motivation to get up and get on that track every single day come from so I really, I, I think the hardest bit is just getting out the door. Um, once once you've got out the door, it's getting out so of much, bed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. As soon as you've got past that, it is a lot more easy to just just do it. You almost go onto autopilot a little bit. I think when you're doing it as regularly as I am, but um, I have to say, at the moment where I've just kind of been building back into everything, it does feel super daunting to think, "Gosh, I've got to run." 65 miles a week um in in the middle of winter um so just I think taking each day at a time um remembering the things that sort of you enjoy about what you do um is really helpful in just making um yeah just being able to motivate yourself like I get really excited about going back to training with my group and seeing uh, my friends and yeah just you know, seeing my coach and things like that um, are really helpful to just help you enjoy it. But I think, yeah, just really been focusing on each um, rep, each kind of session at time is just makes it a lot more easy to digest and um, stay motivated. And I think, you know what, when you're talking about running, you always think about it as such a solo thing, but you really kind of incorporated their parts of like community and team and your coach. And I think, you know, having a community around you is actually really important to help you get up and go out. And I spoke to, um, do you know the Happy Pair? Have you heard of them? They're two guys who kind of started this food revolution and they're two identical twins. And I had them on the podcast a few weeks ago. And for them, they get up at 4am every day and they go for a cold water swim in Ireland, (laughs) of all places. So it's not warm every morning. And, you know, for them, they were saying it's really hard to get there, but we do it because we're with people. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, one of the things I associate with running is that you're always on your own. But actually, it doesn't have to be like you're training. You can incorporate it with other people. Do you think that really helps with your kind of mindset and determination around the sports? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I do do a lot of training, particularly in lockdown and throughout 2020, I did a lot of um, solo sort of training, but um, Mm. the the kind of thought of meeting someone for a run like on one day a week or just, you know, knowing that you can have company, it really makes the time pass quicker. And I think you don't focus as much on what you're doing. Um, Mm. So very similarly, I guess you would just kind of go with it and and jump into freezing cold water or do a horrible session so yeah I think it just makes it that bit that bit easier yeah I can imagine it does and I think we all have and I'm sure you have this this kind of negative voice sometimes in your mind and you're like I can't do that and you're really struggling to maybe get out that door or you're on that track and you just have those days when you don't feel as inspired and as excited about what you're doing like what do you do in those times to really help you get through or are there sometimes when you're like I just have to accept how I'm feeling like how do you work with that mindset yeah I think just understanding why you're feeling like that is really helpful um quite often I tend to get like that when I'm really tired or I haven't been looking after myself as well I might be a bit dehydrated or just not taking the time for myself um as much or taking as much time away from what I'm trying to do um to just reset um so I think understanding why you're feeling like that is important and allowing yourself to feel like that a little bit um Mm -hmm. but also just not getting too ahead of yourself I think um I'm like just start just start the morning just you know just put one step forward at a time I think Mm -hmm. that's a lot easier but also I find um just knowing what makes you improve your what improves your mood so for me, it's music. If I put on, you know, good music in the morning, that always kind of just sets me up um, mm. for the rest of the day. And I just think if I'm ever kind of feeling like, oh gosh, I've got to go out for this run in the pouring rain and it's freezing or, you know, what have you. Um, 
just putting on some good music, taking my time with my morning routine um, is really helpful. And then I find that it's a lot easier to get out the door. Yeah. Yeah, it's honestly, it's that part of self-care that is so important for that mindset, isn't it? And just being a bit more compassionate towards yourself. And I feel like you need to have that in leaps and bounds for what you do at the standard that you're competing. Because we haven't really spoke about just how exceptional you are at running. Can you just tell everyone what your personal best is, which I think is amazing for 800 metres? So I've run 159.5 for 800 metres. My gosh. <laughs> and I've also run 406 for 1500 meters. That's incredible. And when was your personal best? Because I know that you've obviously, that's it. The one I had earlier was a couple of, yeah. I don't even know what it is. It's not even a second. It's, what do you even call that? What is it? Because um, it was 1.598 I had before, and now it's 1.5. I'm as dyslexic as you, Adele, so you have to help me out here. <laughs> oh, no, gosh, numbers just too much. Um, I think it's a millisecond, maybe. A millisecond. Yeah, yeah. So when did you do this, the new personal best? When, was, when did you compete at that standard? Where was it? So I ran my personal best this year in May, um, actually in the US, in LA, um, at Mount Sac Relays. And for the 1500, actually, that was only a month ago in London, in Watford. There's been such a strong group of middle distance runners I feel at the moment you know watching everybody this year at the Olympics which really sadly I know that you just missed out on like just missed out on it resilience is such must be such a big thing for you in those moments you know talk to me how did you feel during that moment because I know that you've trained so hard Mm -hmm. to get to that point and the Olympics is obviously something that I know that you've eagerly wanted to, to go and compete in. You know, how did that moment feel? Yeah, I think just sort of having that goal as a motivating factor all year, even all through the year before as well. Um, I think for a lot of athletes, we waited so long for this Olympics to happen with a five-year cycle. So obviously there's loads of championships in between the Olympics, but because the Olympics is only four years, every four years, um, I think it makes it so much more sought after. And it's also, I think, really highly regarded by everyone is so recognisable. Um, mm. So I think for a lot of people, the five years felt like a real stretch, like that extra year of just having to keep that momentum, keep that fitness, keep that focus. So, you know, naturally, obviously I was devastated after the Olympic trials, um, just missing out um, on that, that spot. So yeah, it's such a hard thing to like, kind of, I guess, re-motivate yourself because at that point you're still having to um, compete and go back out for the second half of the season and there's so many competitions left. Um, So I think that was the hardest part for me. It was like, actually, I could kind of put it into perspective because I had done everything that I possibly could have. I ran my best race. um, You know, my legs just didn't have it on the day to just make that team. And I was literally one place away. So that being that that close is obviously so devastating. But I think knowing that you did everything you could is a really, I think, yeah, you can't you can't do more than your best. So I guess that's kind of how I rationalized it. Um, but yeah, that week after, um, I was actually I raced on the Wednesday. And the Olympic trials finished on the Sunday. So I literally just had to go back out and and compete straight away. So I think that was the hardest part for me, just thinking, actually, I need to get excited for this. I need to be in the right state of mind to go out and, you know, put a good performance together. And that was really, really tough because I just was so mentally and physically exhausted. Mm. Um, so I think just the resilience factor is, I think, yeah, just giving yourself time to bounce back. Um, obviously, I didn't have that luxury with just having to go straight back into competition. But mentally, I felt like actually getting back out there and doing what I actually do really love doing was a really great way of of almost getting over it, essentially, mm. and, and moving on and, and working through that. So, um, yeah, I think that was really helpful in a way. I think resilience is such a big topic that we don't always speak about. And I don't know if you learned that going through 
the last 10 years with your coaches. And I know that you have a fantastic psychologist that you've spoken about that really helps you. But is that something that you talk about as a young athlete? Do you talk about this mindset and that resilience and how to make that stronger and how to protect yourself during those kind of really hard times when you don't make that spot or you don't make that team? Um, It's definitely something that I'm more aware of um, when I've been going into schools and chatting to kids. Um, I think it's really important to, because we live in a kind of culture where everything is quite instant. And, you know, if you maybe don't get the result you want, actually, you can just go and try something else. And I think that is the the kind of sticking point is in you might not try again. Mm. So I think just reinforcing that actually those experiences where you do feel disappointed and you want more are so key to like helping you progress in the future. And I know that every time I have a moment where things don't go to plan or I don't get the result I want, it's another experience for me to learn from. And, you know, I, I look back now on, on, previous experiences where I was absolutely devastated with the result but actually I learned so much about myself in that moment or um, you know coming back what I did to to kind of get there and you draw on those experiences time and time again so I think it's so important to I guess um, talk about this to the younger generation as well because um, resilience is such a key skill that you can just apply to so many areas of your life and you're kind of at the top end of needing to build that resilience but I really feel that we all need resilience day to day and we we saw that in the pandemic when you know our whole lives were turned upside down I think every single person was affected in some way shape or form from that and you made some amazing points there by just saying you know it's resilience is there because it can help you grow you can learn from it and I think that's something that's really powerful every time you make a mistake or every time something doesn't happen the way that you maybe visualize it if you can take a learning experience from that that's a really positive outcome and it's kind of readdressing that mindset which I don't feel that we're taught about at all in school or growing up and I guess being a model from a very young age, I was rejected every day. Um, And I know that you've done modelling as well and you're modelling for sports. But, and I'm sure you see that maybe not at the point now because you're such an amazing name and everybody wants to to work with you because you're such a role model. But, you know, being nobody and going into a casting, you are rejected maybe 16, 17 times a day. And building that resilience is, um, is fundamental. And I was really just interested to know that is that something that your psychologist works with you like how important is he for your mindset oh hugely important um so I've worked with Mike Cunningham um for probably about five or six years now and initially he got in touch with me and I I kind of thought oh do I do I need to do this is there something that's gonna you know be helpful um but absolutely he is such a key part of my team now and I speak to him before every race that I do and I also review every race as well and that's where I find you know I just I have the time and the space to kind of you know nitpick at things and actually be like absolutely could have done you know more here or I've got you know this to improve on and I think it's so important because it means that you always you're always working on something and Mm. you can see the value in every experience so you know it's no longer a good or a bad performance it's more actually this was a key step in the process for me to achieving this further along the line. And I think it also gives you um, a lot more um, appreciation for everything that you do, because you know that um, those experiences kind of build up a bigger picture. And I feel like over the years, um, Mike has really helped me to kind of see that. And I get so much more satisfaction and enjoyment from what I do because of that. I just think it's so fantastic that you can speak about this to especially like our listeners who are who are tuning in today because as you said when they approached you and when Mike came to you which is amazing that he did that I already like him from from coming out and reaching out to you um it's because you know we go to the gym well you definitely go to the gym you train so hard physically for your body you know that is that's your machine and that is your job our brain is also part of our body and we don't ever think to look about, we don't think to what do I need to kind of support it and 
prevent anything from happening and utilize it and build resilience. Like our brain is an organ just as much as our skin is an organ and our liver is an organ. And so we might, you may think, right, I've got training coming up. I'm not going to go and drink loads of wine because that's going to affect my performance. Or I'm going to eat in a, you know, nutritionally dense way to support my workouts. But then our brain is also such a fundamental part of that. And sadly, so many, so many times we overlook it and we think about speaking to a psychologist when we actually have a problem. Mm. But I think it's such a kind of a old style way of approaching mental health because fundamentally we all suffer with mental health. It doesn't mean we suffer with mental health illness, but we have a brain and it's an organ and it needs support. And is that something that's spoken about a lot with maybe your teammates or the people that you're competing against? Is it quite supported in that sector regarding mental health or is it still something that's not really spoken about? I don't think it's spoken about enough. Um, Mm. I think particularly in sport, there's this really... um, I guess, out of date culture in terms of, you know, being tough and, you know, having a strong mindset and, um, you know, not that, you know, athletes aren't, um, you know, able to show their vulnerable side. I feel like that's something that is definitely being championed now and um, celebrated, which I think is really important because, um, you know, we are human. <laughs> um, but Exactly. That's such <laughs> the main line. You're a human being with, and you're also a human who's being pushed to extremes. Yes, absolutely. But I, I still think there is that, that um, lack of support in that area, you know, even when athletes are going through difficult times like injury and illness and not able to kind of, um, yeah, apply themselves in their sport the way they want to. I feel like that's when, um, you know, the intervention interventions happen. But like you said, I think it's so important to have them there before, you know, so that you have built up that sort of training and that practice um, so that when you do encounter difficult times, you're Mm -hmm. more equipped to deal with it. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, it's such a difficult one because I'm so lucky that, you know, Mike reached out to me um, and I have that support in place already, but I can definitely see from, you know, speaking to other athletes um, and knowing that when they get to rock bottom or when they're really injured, that's when the interventions go in. And actually, I think it would be so much more beneficial to have that before before those things happen. Well, absolutely. It brings that kind of support structure of foundation. So, you know, if we look about building a support structure and if you've got that and a storm comes in, which is like our daily stresses, you're more equipped to hold it together. It's more going to be more sturdy. Whereas if you don't and it's a little bit wobbly anyway, and then a storm comes in and your stresses come in, it's going to be blown to pieces. Mm -hmm. And I think it's such an important message to drive home that We all need to have this kind of little toolkit that we can dip into. So for you, what would be your kind of, maybe not resilience toolkit, but your toolkit that you speak to Mike about? What are the things that you draw upon to help Mm -hmm. build that strong mindset? So I think getting perspective is so important. Um, I think when you're in a situation where you feel um, just overwhelmed by everything um it's so easy to focus on the negatives and um what I find about having those sessions is that it just gives you perspective on the bigger picture I think just seeing the bigger picture is um it relieves a lot of those tensions because actually you're like this is just a snippet in time um you know and it will be something that I look back on in the future um as a really key moment probably so I think that's really important to have perspective I also think just having a really great support network is really useful um I'm so lucky that my partner um is essentially my training partner he does a lot of my training with me um my coach is really great and I also have such an amazing family to support me my mum's really sort of on board and she's always been there from the start of my athletics career so I think having those key people around you to kind of lift you up when you aren't feeling you know as great about yourself and and what you're doing um is so important so I think those are two key factors but also just remembering the things that you enjoy about what you do or even 
if you're not enjoying what you do at that moment in time, what you like. Um, I'm so lucky that I have, you know, my makeup and I have sort of other things outside of running um, so that when things aren't going as great, I can sort of throw myself into that and actually be like, this is, you know, I am passionate about other things. So I think that's really important. I love that. I really want to say one of my favorite lines, actually, following what you've just said is, um, and obviously this is not focused on the modeling career at all, but Giselle, who was obviously supermodel Giselle that we all know and love, she said a really defining line, which I think can be applied to any single person, is that modeling doesn't define me. So Mm -hmm. she basically is saying like, it's one part of who I am and what I do, but I also have all of these other things that I love and I enjoy. And it's like you, you have so many different facets. Like this is kind of your real passion, your job. This is what you kind of live and breathe, but you also are a makeup artist, which is amazing. You're also a model at the same time. So you have other areas that you draw upon. So when something, maybe you can't love something all the time when you're doing it day in, day out, you're going to have these times of, you know, a lower moment. You you pour, you pull on other areas, which also bring you joy. And I think that's such a healthy relationship to have with yourself and also the other areas of your life because your life will change and you don't feel then you've got all of your eggs in one basket, if that makes sense. You take that pressure off yourself. Absolutely. And I think that's something that, you know, I've always been quite realistic about in terms of athletics. Um, you know, there's only a limited amount of time where you can apply yourself as an athlete. And I've sort of always kind of known that. So tried to find things that I love outside of running as well because I know that they're kind of going to be the things that I lean into in the future but I didn't realize in doing that that actually it's been a really great way to I guess just kind of throw yourself into something just take some time away from the sport and come back refreshed and ready to kind of go again um and that's something that I found just over the years whenever I've got too intense around running actually going to do something that I enjoy outside of running is the perfect way to to feel refreshed and revived yeah and counterbalance which I think is really important yeah just get that balance yeah and so why we're talking about the pressures on athletes generally have you seen about Sydney McLaughlin so she is she set the world record recently in Tokyo for the 400 meter hurdles and she posted a really lengthy video on her Instagram account post this um, where she basically broke down in tears and it was really distressing and really sad to watch but she basically spoke about all the troubles she faced during the trials of Mm -hmm. bullying both kind of during the sport and online um and she was really trying to portray that she does work with brands and she does you know have this kind of online persona but she also finds it really hard to take really bad kind of comments and bullying and trolls online and it was really really affecting her and the pressure she said just got so much and she went offline for four weeks um before she went to to race because it was just really pulling away her kind of energy. And she was getting so much hatred and bullying online, which is so sad to know that, you know, she is doing exceptional work and really working to extremes. And then she's having to also face this kind of off the track as well. And it was really sad. And I was wondering, what's your relationship like with with social media? and, And how do you deal with these pressures when you're competing at a high standard, but also having these kind of online pressures at the same time? Gosh, I I must have totally missed that because I actually I follow Sydney and she's obviously an incredible athlete. So, um, but so young as well, like she's had a lot of success in her early career. So I can imagine there's you know that additional pressure isn't there. So Mm. um, I'll have to go back and watch that. Gosh, that's really quite sad. Um, Mm. Yeah. So I it's such a it's such a strange thing because social media is such a big part of. I mean, I find it a really amazing tool in the sense that I can connect with people that I normally wouldn't. Um, There's a lot of young girls that I have um, who I regularly speak to about just how they're progressing in the sport. They might have questions about um, the female triad, like, you know, just just things that 
you wouldn't usually be able to, you know, have that connection. And I think that's really nice. It's a really good tool for that. But then, of course, you have the flip side of that um, where, you know, anyone can say anything to you Mm. if they want to. Um, Obviously, I have a lot of sort of boundaries with my social media because of that. I like to um, limit the time that I spend on it. Um, I'll put stuff out there and obviously try and, you know, do as much as I can and connect with people. But I do um, have, I guess, a lot of boundaries with technology because I just think we are able to just indulge in it, um, you know, all the time. And for me, I find it, sometimes I don't always want to see what people are up to. Um, I think ignorance is bliss sometimes. So that's kind of why I put those limitations in place. When it comes to, I guess, like, interaction and people's comments and things like that um I tend to not read too much actually so I think probably I don't absorb everything good or bad you know obviously for someone like Sydney McLaughlin she has such a you know colossal following so many people follow her and that must be just on another scale for her Mm. but yeah also in terms of what you sort of have to do as an athlete now is probably very different you know, it's changed a lot in the last couple of years, like, you know, with um, sponsors and things like that, you have obligations. Um, And it's probably very similar, you know, as a model as well. Um, So if even if you're someone who isn't naturally wanting to be online that much, or um, be that vocal about certain things, um, you can sort of be pushed to do that more regularly. So I think it is just about having those clear boundaries and Mm making sure that you protect yourself a little bit because yeah again we're, we're human and um you, you really do have to do that when you're trying to apply yourself as an athlete and you know go out there and and hit it hard you've got to have a good clear mind to do that and these things are just distractions essentially well this is the thing there's a lot of people that have that as their job and their lives for Instagram mm. content creators and influencers however you are an athlete competing at a high standard and then all of a sudden as you said with sponsors or maybe just your brand being online there's an additional pressure there and do you ever feel that additional pressure of oh I maybe don't like that picture of myself or oh I don't want to post that and those kind of body image Things that we, we all have, the general, I think every single person has that when they post that on social media, but that's more elevated when you're an athlete because people know mm. who you are and people kind of feel like they know you a bit because they see you competing. Do you feel that pressure when you're posting online? I think the pressure that I feel the most is to try and be a positive female role model. That's probably the biggest pressure I feel because I obviously, like I say, if I'm ever interacting with people, it's usually young girls. And I just think, um, what you put out is, is being absorbed in some capacity, whether you want it to be or not. Mm. Um, when it comes to like body image and things like that, I think if anything, I think sport has been a really great thing for me when it comes to that. Cause obviously, um, I have done a bit of modeling, but it's mainly like sort of in the sports area. Um, but I've always just seen my body as it's, I guess it's a tool. It serves me really well to do what I need it to do. And that's how I've always seen it. So I think I've really been lucky to kind of swerve any of those sort of, I guess, problematic um, things online when it comes to like body image. And because I know that, you know, my body, um, yeah, just it does what I need it to do. <laughs> so that I guess that's the way I see it most of the time. Um, so yeah, I think it's just really, for me, I'm more conscious about what I'm putting out and and who's absorbing that. Basically, in essence, why you're such a fantastic role model um, for that whole reason, because you're so aware of it. And, you know, I would, I'm going to ask you to put your Instagram up at the end, but I would actively encourage anyone for a daily motivation. If you're trying to get out for a 5k run, if you look at Adele Tracy's Instagram, you're like, she's doing that as a cool down. I can go out and do a 5k run. I can do it. I've got inspiration from Adele. Going back and then we're going to lighten the mood, I think, because we want to kind of keep this positive. 
But it is a conversation that I think is really important to keep having, which is the representation in sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Dame Kelly Holmes has been one of your mentors and you were a torchbearer in 2012. Yes, yes. Um, which was probably just such a phenomenal part for you in your life, especially for somebody that I know that you looked up to her when you were younger, as we all do, actually. She's such an inspiration. Um, But I think it's so important to keep having this conversation around representation, especially in the sporting world, because we really need to help shape it into a more inclusive future for all of the sector. And one conversation, you know, is the fight against racism because it constantly keeps making headlines in sport, which I'm sure you're aware, you know, the Marcus Rashford story that's constantly out at the moment, which is just so upsetting to read. You know, are these barriers for you, which you have personally encountered? Yeah, I think, especially being a woman as well, as well, Mm -hmm. that's another thing, like a black woman in this in this industry is that something that you have encountered I think it might even be more pressure for a woman yeah absolutely I think um yeah my own personal experience as um a black woman is of mixed heritage um you know of course you experience racism microaggressions maybe even on a daily basis um and it's really unfortunate um that (sighs) Yeah, it's difficult because I think these things have really come to light during the Black Lives Matter movement. But for me, more than anything, I think it just made me realise like how regularly I can experience these things. Um, but when it comes to sport, I feel athletics in itself is, you know, a really diverse sport. Um, it's one of the, I guess because we compete on the same stage as men and women um you know in that in that sense it's really inclusive um we have you know the para athletics um so i think there's a lot of work don't get me wrong to do when it comes to um diversity and inclusion um but in athletics i do feel um fortunate that we're further forward in terms of we have the same, we, sh- we share the same stage, um, females and, and males. Um, I am particularly passionate about, I think, seeing change within endurance sport in particular. Dame Kelly is obviously a massive role model for me, um, particularly because she's a middle distance athlete as well. But in the endurance space, I do feel, um, you know, I tend to to be the only person in that space sometimes. Um, And that's something that I would love to see, particularly um, in governance roles and um, higher up in the sport, you know, to see, um, you know, more diversity and inclusion reflected in endurance would be something that I'd be really proud to see in the future. Um, So that's definitely, um, yeah, where I'd like to see change. Mm. And it's so important. I mean, you have to start at the top to make this these changes because it doesn't mm-hmm. just come from conversations. Um, it comes from actually actioning yes. why this is not happening and where the barriers are coming in. And if you, you know, it, 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 there's a there's not just one answer. There's a plethora of answers here. But do you see it changing? Because it's really sad that you said that you still every single day encounter racism still. And I think that is just, even just hearing that, you know, there's so much more work to be done. And the fact that this is still happening Mm. shows that we're not making the progression that we should be. Yeah, I think the biggest thing um, for, I guess, the catalysts for change for me would be having those conversations with, yeah, in in a safe space and with people that... Um, you care about like I know that a lot of the microaggressions I experience aren't you know they're not intended to be in that way but I think it's just making sure for me now to actually say something and I think that's what Black Lives Matter movement has done it's it's allowed those conversations to happen it's allowed me to feel comfortable being like actually you might not you can't say that in that way maybe try you know approaching this subject or whatever in this way um which I felt like I wouldn't have been able to do before so I think that's where the change is happening and 
I think change really does start from those conversations you have around the dinner table. You know, they all trickle down and that is um, so, so important. So, yeah, I do think change is happening. Um, yeah, and it's it's just about just speaking up. Speaking up is, is the key thing. Mm. I think that's fantastic that you can now approach it in a in a more direct way to people because that does need to be said for people to actually acknowledge that what they're saying is not right and then they need to go and educate themselves on why that isn't right mm-hmm. um, which is what's really fundamentally important in all of these conversations um, it shouldn't have to be down to you to say that it Absolutely. should be down to the other person to actually go and educate themselves around why that isn't isn't Mm -hmm. correct um and I think these conversations need to keep happening and the big thing that I felt from Black Lives Matter is that I didn't want the conversation to stop so I think that was now over a year and a half ago um and to make sure that we are having these conversations that we are seeing fantastic role models like you being mentors for like the next generation that are coming up um is so important because seeing that diversity and talking about it and not being afraid of it makes us one step closer to being more inclusive and a better future for the sporting sector but also wider because it has such an impact on society generally the sporting industry it has such a strong image Mm -hmm. and so the more that we can see I think the, the more impact that that we can hopefully shape in the, in the future um what would you kind of say to anybody who, who's listening who maybe is from an area that isn't as inclusive um so when I'm in London you know it feels like a very multicultural city but kind of coming out of London a lot of young adults might be listening to this and be feeling quite isolated you know yeah. what would you be saying to to these young adults that actually have the dream like you did when you were eight um but might not feel that they can get there um I think just trying trying sport um and the the beauty of running which is probably why I started doing it is that all you need is a pair of trainers and you just need to go out the door. Um, you can join your local athletics club. Um, there's loads of people there who want to support up and coming athletes, want people to, to get involved in the sport. Um, and I think reaching out to people who are older that maybe have been there, um, you know, I spend a lot of time interacting with younger people who want to get into the sport or are maybe new into the sport. And I think people are so willing to give their time. Um, and yeah, just drawing, drawing on, on those tools. I think, yeah, it's the great thing about athletics. It's so accessible to so many people. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd love to see more people um, taking part in it. Amazing. And so I know that you are coming back into your training season since coming off holiday. So what is next for Adele Tracy? What are we going to see? What are you working on? Um, So um, just getting back into running and obviously it takes me a couple of weeks to build up. So I always have like a bit more going on, uh, which is always great. Um, So I'll be doing a little bit of makeup. I'll be doing um, a little bit of modeling maybe, but um, I'm really excited to kind of have some fun projects coming up with my sponsor Hoka. Um, I'm actually doing an event, I think on the 7th, at a runner's need store in Camden um, with Black Girls Do Run, which I'm really excited about. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so got some 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 fun things in the pipeline and, um, yeah, just really focusing on the goals for next year, which there's so much going on because so much moved from 2020. So um, there's World Indoors, there's World Championships Outdoors um, and Commonwealth Games as well in Birmingham. So a home championship. Oh, wow. You've got a really busy, I say year, but yeah, the next 12 months because we're getting into mm-hmm. 2020. So you've got a lot of preparation to do. And I just really feel when you have to train through the winter and get out in the in the cold. But, you know, when you here at the level you're competing and where you're going to, your adrenaline must just be going constantly knowing that you're going to go and compete at the World Championships. That just sounds unreal. I can't believe that... Does it still shock you when you when you say those words that come out of your mouth? Does it still give you the goose pimples? Yeah, there's there's a lot of good memories associated with those championships. I think that's 
you know, that's what you want to do. You want to compete to the highest level you can possibly compete and see what your body can do. And um, yeah, when I think about those championships and sort of say, it just brings back loads of great memories. So yeah. (laughs) And I always want to ask when I finish a podcast, the same question, which I'm going to ask you Adele Tracy, and I'm very excited to hear your answer to this one. So what does live well, be well mean to you? I think it kind of means just really embracing every part of yourself and enjoying, enjoying those, those sides of yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. I think for me, um, there's over the years, like I felt like I maybe need to focus on one thing at a given time, but I think just leaning into your strengths and, enjoying that part of yourself and and what that brings um that kind of yeah emulates those words for me that's that's fantastic I think (laughs) that's the perfect answer (laughs) and so for anyone who wants to follow you as the fantastic role model you are and I would really say honestly please do follow her because when you need to get out for that morning run you can look at your page and be like I can I can do it and if you need a good makeup tip also you can go there as well so where can people find you on instagram or social media so on instagram i'm just at adele tracy and i'm on twitter as well but i'm not as good with words so no one's breaking out on that <laughs> um adele tracy as well so pretty simple and you also have a website don't you where people can read your latest blog posts and see what you're up to yeah so that's adeltracy.com and um yeah you can see a little bit about my my two Uh, lives essentially (laughs) I I think it's fantastic I think it's so inspirational and I love that you do have different things going on in your life because it just shows you know what a driven but enthusiastic character you are so I honestly wish you all the best with your training I'm going to be keeping an eye on you with all these exciting championships coming up and um, have a really nice day thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you so much for having me on I've really enjoyed this conversation Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Live Well, Be Well. If you did enjoy the podcast, please do leave a five-star review on whichever platform you're listening on. And lastly, I just want to say, if you haven't bought your tickets for our workshop on October the 6th, please do. We are opening our doors to the UK public and we really would love to see you all there. The workshop is focused around creating resilience and dealing with rejection, which is something we ultimately all need in our toolbox for day-to-day lives. We would love to see you there and tickets are only £5 available via the Be Well Collective's website, which you can find in the show notes. And until next week, I hope you will live well and be well. <laughs>